0: You're listening to Human Faces with me, Suda. I'm going to be exploring the psychology behind our face and how it has the power to change our lives. So stay tuned and stay connected. Hello world and welcome to another episode of Human Faces Special shout out to our listeners from Alaska. I have no idea how you heard of us, but welcome. Today episode is all about gender and the face. As you know, I'm Suda. I'm your local friendly doctor and dentist and training facial surgeon. And my guest today is Suk, who is a fellow training surgeon who is also transgender and is currently transitioning. So Suk's going to give us an insight on what the face says about your gender, what it means when that doesn't fit, so the face you have doesn't fit with who you feel that you are, and what can be done to correct that, and why it actually matters from someone who's living it to give us some insight. Suk, what do you think of that introduction, and what else do you want to tell our listeners about yourself?
1: Yeah, thanks for that introduction, Sude. Um, It's uh really interesting that we've got some listeners over in Alaska, wow (laughs) exactly Uh, (laughs) yeah um, I have been transitioning now for almost a year Um, started on hormones last September Um, and although it's not been all plain sailing, I'm in a much better place than I was previously um
0: and I know we're going to talk a little bit later about um, dysphoria, but before we get into the the heavy end of things, um, I just wanted to like, I think for, for me, because what listeners don't know is we've actually done a pre-interview and I've learned a lot just listening to you and your story. <laughs> and I think for a lot of people, they kind of don't understand what it means when your face doesn't match with who you want to show up as or who you feel you are on the inside and so it's very easy when you don't you can't even imagine that mismatch to not understand why it needs to be fixed or what it means to people who may want to have it fixed and so there's some of the issues that um, I thought that we could raise awareness about. I know they're quite heavy issues and we're not gonna get it all down, but if the listeners can just be patient and then we can try and see if we can get some insight or at least start the conversation on those really big topics.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, dysphoria or dysmorphia as some people call it, um, typically say gender dysphoria or body dysmorphia. Not all transgender people will suffer from it and will suffer from it, those that do, to different degrees, and it can vary from day to day or even throughout the day, depending on how your mood is. Certainly from my own personal experience, I tend to experience much worse dysmorphia when my mood is worse, when I'm depressed, I also struggle with depression, Um, I'm currently on antidepressant treatment for that. I'd say with regards to my gender, the specific aspects of my body that cause me the most uh, dysmorphia or dysphoria would be partly the structure of my face, but also facial hair um, and covering that up with cosmetics certainly helps with my dysphoria on a day-to-day basis. Sometimes it gets really bad um and episodes where my mood takes quite a dip I will sometimes not be able to look in mirrors I'll delete all of my previous photos from social media it can get that bad um but yeah other times I can just go out in the street head held high and not care what people think of me
0: because so many people take that for granted don't they I just Um, and even I didn't appreciate what, um, this, I I didn't even realize the issues before we had our chat. So, um, thank you again for coming on the show. Um, but for just to start from the very beginning, um, I think a lot of people, uh, or even, I don't know what, what is it, tell us what you mean by transgender and what's, what's transsexual and is there a difference between these terms?
1: Um, There is a difference between these terms. I think transsexual is now accepted as somebody who has undergone corrective surgery. Um, Transgender, you don't necessarily have to have undergone surgery. And again, I'm just speaking from my own personal opinion. I wouldn't say I'm an expert in gender issues apart from being a transgender doctor myself um, but yeah and I think the transgender term is more widely accepted and some people will take it to include people who are non-binary who um, have a gender identity which is neither male nor female.
0: What do you think so you, you mentioned that you're a transgender surgeon yourself as well um, yeah. what do you what does your face does it say that you're male or not yours specifically I mean one person's face does it say that they're male or female or non-binary or another way or how does the face actually say that
1: I think the face can convey that certainly with regards to your bone structure I mean some of the surgeries that we're involved in in maxillofacial surgery include the facial feminization surgery so that's something that we're both acutely in tune to whether it be forehead bossing from eminent supraorbital ridges down to things like nose structure ear structure jaw structure these are all things which display differences between people who are phenotypically more male or more female
0: how does your um, ear make you more male or female i'd never thought about the ear
1: um generally the size of the ear, um the size of the pina, um okay. and the lobule are uh, longer than males so yeah as some of our patients do request um peneplasties really yeah That's so interesting
0: <laughs> i mean like obviously it makes sense now that you say it i get it and because I, I can imagine like men's noses broadly are a bit bigger um, yeah,
1: so you... broadly a bit bigger, more aquiline, tend to have a more pronounced dorsal hump. and uh, What's aquiline? Um, like a Roman structure, like an eagle. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so bigger dorsal hump and a sharper labial angle between the nose and the lip.
0: So basically the tip of the nose is a bit more bent downwards and then the bridge over the nose has got a bigger hump on it
1: typically
0: that's definitely yeah, but what also
1: your um yeah yeah those those, those main things
0: and I, th- I guess there's also the what was really interesting to me when we had our pre-conversation was that there are those classical features that are men or I guess or people consider to be male or female but then what especially being uh transgender you might not necessarily feel all the way male or female it might be something in between that you feel so you might choose to different degrees alter these um or feel that to a different degree you should be looking different to those norms
1: does that Abs- absolutely i mean I, I personally don't believe that gender is a binary thing and you know even if we are going to reduce it down to biological essentialism you still have various degrees of phenotypic gender expression you still got hundreds of intersex conditions it's more a bimodal distribution if you're looking at phenotypic sex let alone actual gender identity and i certainly say i'm somewhere in the middle just more towards the female side which is why i'm transitioning right now
0: (laughs) but so when you say like phenotypically do you mean like um because i guess yeah because walking down the street they're obviously like anatomically people can be male or female but even that is to a certain degree because some people's there you have women with bigger breasts women with smaller breasts or uh, women who look female but dress more masculine like every or you know behave in a certain way so there is actually this whole spectrum and it's almost really simple to just say no no there's clearly a male and there's clearly a female
1: yeah absolutely i mean even simple things like you know depth of pelvis and width of pelvis there's a wide variation of sizes you can't just say that this is a female pelvis and this is a male pelvis
0: yeah it's so true and I think like when you start talking about this you just think well I I already know this because I've observed it walking down the street but I never thought about it in that way and I never talked about it in that way but actually it makes logical sense yeah there's so much variety. And what about in, I don't know, like, um, I know that you're, you're not an, you're an expert on this, but just out of curiosity, where does the idea of transgender, where does it come from historically? Like, when did people start talking about it? Is it there in the animal kingdom? Is there, you know, where, where's, what's the history behind this? I
1: mean, in the animal kingdom, there are certainly animals that display hermaphroditic characteristics. And that actually change their gender depending on the um, environment that they're in. Um, certain types of fish, is it clownfish? I honestly can't remember off the top of my head. Within humans, the history probably goes back a lot further than it does um, in Western culture. Um, Say, so if you look at things like the Hijra culture in India and Twin Spirits and Native Americans and, you know, you've got the Tiwi culture in the Torres Strait Islanders, you know, these groups of people have been there for many, many years before it started to be discussed in Western culture.
0: And is being uh, transgender and transsexual, is it accepted in those cultures?
1: Uh, Historically... Yes, um, in certain of those cultures, um, like I say, I'm not an expert, but I think the history of gender variance being a taboo thing is largely as a result of Victorian um, sensibilities.
0: Oh really? Okay.
1: That's that's my opinion. (laughs)
0: Well I was going to say like cuz that that doesn't matter like where do you think like when you obviously you've experienced a, a lot of um comeback from where you are and you experience it day to day that's just part of adversity of life when you think about it what what do you blame where do you think it's coming from
1: I think people see something that is different and I don't know it jars with them causes them we can be in theorize or we want, not um, But they see something they don't like, they don't, and they react to it in whatever way they will. Whether it be the fact that I'm noticeably transgender, if I happen to not pass, um, or the fact that I'm a brown person, or whatever, um, people see something they don't like and they react, but. I will say that it doesn't happen very often.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Well, that's good. And I know that you've told me that at work and your friends have been really supportive.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I can't praise my work colleagues and my friends enough. Um, they've been fabulous about it from from day one, from when I came out before I started transitioning. Um, so, yeah, it's been absolutely amazing and you know, even day to day on the street, I don't get anything in the way of over abuse for being transgender. Um, since since coming out last year, in fact, the only micro-aggression that I've had um, was actually when I was down in Manchester last weekend, um, when I was in a supermarket and putting my shopping basket away and accidentally bumped into the guy behind me in the line and said I'm sorry and he muttered under his breath quite loudly you will be (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and then I I looked at him and said excuse me and he proceeded to ignore me and turn his back to me for the rest of the time I was in the queue like walking backwards in the queue yeah (laughs) um so I don't know what that was regarding whether that was (laughs) but yeah
0: that is kind of odd but that's literally that is literally it like you've never had like nothing No, no. no other stories wow why do you think is is it because I mean I think you you were being transgender quite openly I don't think you're secretive about it
1: I'm not, no, no. Um, and I don't know, maybe that has something to do with it. I'm also aware that I'm in a very privileged position as a surgical trainee. Um, a lot of transgender people are not in such a privileged position. And statistically, if you look at globally, you know, a lot of transgender people are likely to be sex workers and the subject of gender based violence. And. Um, there are some statistics on Transgender Day of Remembrance website about the number of transgender people that are killed country by country, and I certainly think I'm very lucky to be where I am in the UK and Scotland in particular, um, there is a lot more of an openness about it.
0: Why, why do you think um, transgender people, are, are so much of them are in the sex industries?
1: I'm not going to get into the determinants of um, poverty. I think that's through another time.
0: The reason a lot of women are involved is because women have less opportunities in life in certain communities. And that seems to be an open um, kind of uh, workforce where if you don't have other options, you end up in that kind of circumstance. And I think that does just show how impoverished and how... um, I guess, um, yeah, marginalized in society. It's not just that in
1: certain, in certain countries, you know, there's a large degree of overt and legal discrimination, you know, people getting fired and yeah. being completely unemployable, people being disowned by their families and the homeless. If if you're homeless and unemployable, there are very few options available. Of course, to you. Yeah.
0: No, that's, I mean, that's just off the top of my head. That's kind of what I was thinking. And, um, Uh, because I know you sent me a really interesting presentation about how people in the workplace feel, transgender people are being treated in the workplace, um, and I was surprised to see how many people do feel uh, marginalized, not accepted, targeted, uh, and as you're saying, a lot of violence and and things towards them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even in this country, like I shared with you, you know, the the figure that struck me the most when I was researching for that presentation was 96% of transgender school age people have self-harmed because of their gender identity
0: Do you think that's because of how people are treating them or is that because of the what we're going to come on to, the, the body dysmorphia that they feel internally
1: I think it's going to be a combination of things, some of it will certainly be due to body dysmorphia, some of it will be due to the way they are treated, but some of it will be due to internalised societal... ...tread. They claim to hate them because that's what they've been taught, therefore they internalise that hate and hate themselves.
0: That is a really hard and I place know growing to be. Up,
1: growing up myself, I certainly grew up with a great deal of internalised transphobia
0: where did you Where did you pick that up from? What do you think influenced that?
1: Um, I think a lot of that was my family um growing up in a religious environment um, I think that was the main source of it, but also representations in the media um yeah
0: <laughs> how do you think being transgender is represented in the media
1: um we're not quite there yet, better than it has been at points in the past. You know, you get mainstream figures like um, Janice Mock, like LeBron Cox, um, got that film Tangerine that was nominated for Academy Awards. But then on the other hand, you still have people like Eddie Redmayne playing transgender characters. Um,
0: what did you think although, of that movie? Although,
1: Although, more recently, there was the fury about Scarlett Johansson playing a transgender character, which shows that people's attitudes are changing. It's no longer seen as acceptable for cisgender actors to play transgender characters. Um,
0: where does the, I actually wanted to ask you this separately, but where does the word cis come from?
1: Um, I, I'm just assuming it's the opposite of trans. If you've got two isomers of something... Oh, I see. You've got a cis a trans That's very geeky. Yeah, that's what I always assumed. You know, I never (laughs) actually looked it up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Super geeky. I love it, love it. Um, Okay, let's go back to those movies, because everybody loves movies. And the Eddie Redmayne movie, what was it called again? The Uh, the Danish Danish Girl. Girl. Yeah, that's it. Um, Won loads of awards. And in fact, it's been hailed as... um, bringing out transgender issues into the public domain um, so what did you think of it or you know what's how does um, how do you think it does actually represent transgender communities
1: I don't know that it accurately represents transgender communities it's a it's a historical biopic and I can't comment on its historical accuracy. It was beautifully filmed. Um, <laughs> some of the cinematography was amazing. I enjoyed it as a cinematic experience. Aside from my issues with a uh, male cisgender actor playing Lily Elba, um, yeah, it was a good film.
0: So it was in, what in his portrayal did you object to? Like, If you were going to explain to people, no, this is not the way it actually is, what part of it?
1: The the fact that they have chosen a man to play the role instead of choosing a transgender actor to play the role.
0: What do you think a transgender actor would bring to it that would be different?
1: I think they'll be able to bring their own experience to the role, having gone through that process themselves. And aside from that, it's about creating opportunities for transgender actors. There are plenty of transgender actors out there. Yeah. And there aren't exactly that many trans roles. If we are giving them to the cisgender actors, then that's even less of a pool.
0: No, I know what you mean. It's like the same. It's like the whole um, cultural appropriation with yeah. when you have the opposite ethnicities playing roles,
1: which is I mean, in my, itself... my opinion. My opinion is that this is just an interim measure. You know, I don't think that there should be anything to stop transgender actors just playing any kind of role.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But I think we do need to take some form of action for the time being.
0: So I guess you didn't, I was thinking, you didn't watch it and think, oh, this is really missing in the way he's portraying this, like something tangible or he did this and this is not, you know, or in the storyline. So there wasn't anything like that.
1: No, no. You don't think it
0: misrepresented transgender persons?
1: I I don't, I don't. But, you know, with the caveat that it is a historical account and the modern day experience is going to be vastly different from that. Of
0: course. Because I guess what I was thinking is traditionally, for example, homosexuals are shown in movies as being very camp, you know, very effeminate camp men, um, which is not representative. But it, in so in so many ways, because of that, a lot of homosexuals feel that they have to align themselves culturally with that image to to so that they can they can show up as who they are even though that might not be who they want to be does that make sense
1: in, in certain certain circumstances yes although in other circumstances less so um Although we're getting slightly off topic, and I'm not going to go on a rant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very wise, very wise. Um, but I guess that does bring us to um, what you were talking about before about um, your your face and what it says about your gender, and then the exaggeration of looking fem- having a feminine face in you know in drag queen culture, and how a lot of people misinterpret that as being transgender or representing transgender what yeah. what do you think of that?
1: I mean historically you know drag has been a part of queer culture since um, probably the early 1900s um, and if you look back historically it's pretty difficult to pick out exactly what's transgender and what's drag you know it's been part of LGBT culture for a long time, um, and I didn't know that drawing the distinctions historically was that helpful. There are certainly people these days who blur the boundaries between what is drag and what is transgender, and there is no reason why if you are transgender, you cannot also do drag. For me, drag is more of a performance thing, mm-hmm. um, It's more about entertainment and tied up with the whole cabaret scene. And transgender is a state of being, is part of your gender identity, is who you are.
0: And I think drag is a very particular way of doing up your makeup and face. It's not just about looking more feminine. It's, It's like making it very obvious that you're male looking female. It's a very exaggerated um, look, it's, it's dimension. About being,
1: it's about being somebody else. It's about creating a character, creating a persona, and performing as that persona, whether it be male, female, or alien in some cases.
0: <laughs> definitely. And I think a lot of, the, of it is it's interesting. A lot of it, I think, is to do with the face. And you kind of absolutely, you, yeah. You you spoke about what you do to make like what what do you do to make yourself w- with regards to your face more aligned with who you want to show up as.
1: Well, the things that concern me most about my face are the lower jaw, my mandible is quite square and angular um and my facial hair is fairly thick so I hide those with contour and with foundation concealer
0: where did you learn to do that that sounds very complicated
1: years of practice oh, really? <laughs> years of practice that
0: does and if if um well, if anyone knows you, they've been on your Instagram and you have, like, incredible photos of how you do yourself up. Um, and I don't just mean, like, day-to-day makeup. I mean, like, when you go out and you're, like, dressed up as, like, celebrities and things like that. So I think you've got it down from your practice.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, my day-to-day look is fairly toned down. If you're going to work or if you're just chilling with friends, you're not going to be wearing tons and tons of slap. You know, most days, if I'm going into work and I'm operating, I'm just going to be wearing t-shirt, jeans, and trainers, and then changing into scrubs when I get to work. That doesn't mean I'm any less female, because I choose to be wearing those particular clothes. But if I'm going partying to a specific themed night, um, for example, if you look at my Instagram feed, um, and if you look in Attitude magazine for this month,
0: Ooh, okay. Um,
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, page 138 of Attitude magazine. You'll see a picture of me um, done up a la Ziggy Stardust. Now, the reason I was done up a Stardust is because the theme of this night was an intergalactic queer party. <laughs>
0: Complex uh, theme there. Did many people make it?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the place was absolutely packed. Um, although, but did they make it as in they
0: looked like you know they put the right effort in for the party? party oh yeah, theme. there were lots
1: of people. There were lots of people who put in the effort. Oh cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: I guess that's the thing about once you overcome this kind of transition, you you can you have the braveness that I think a lot of other people never even get to test themselves with or or find out whether they can they are that brave or not.
1: Yeah, I guess. I guess that's very true. You don't realise what's within you, um, what resilience you have until it's tested.
0: So tell me, when you wake up, because we kind of, we touched on dysmorphia before. Yeah. Um, so just for the listeners, so body dysmorphia is, actually, why don't, why don't you tell us, because you did draw a, a difference with dysphoria. So if you um, tell us what those terms mean.
1: Yeah, um, gender dysphoria um, for me is the sense that my gender is different to the way that my body is, I don't know if that's not making sense, um, whereas dysmorphia is looking at specific aspects of my body. I don't know that I'm making much sense, and I'm making much of a distinction there.
0: So I was thinking. So one is your perception of what you actually physically looks look like, yeah. and the other one is is it's not it's actually who you are is different from what you look like.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um. So I guess you, for example, you could be really skinny, and but you look in the mirror and you think that you're really fat when actually you're you know clinically underweight. Whilst one is, you're you are actually fat. You look in the mirror, and you want to be skinny, because you know that's the right that's the right f- way for you to be. That's just like turning it into a, a a language or an analogy that other people would understand. But obviously, it's not about weight loss. Um, but mm, so no, it's more no, that's
1: that's a that's a separate topic, <laughs>
0: <laughs> whole different thing. So tell me, like, because. I think for a lot of listeners, they don't understand, um, what's going on when you wake up, um, and you look in the mirror, because this is the thing we don't like everyone has a mirror in the bathroom. You wake up and the first thing you do is you look at your face. It's very difficult to get out of the house and not have seen your face unless you've made a concerted effort. So when you, when that happens, what do you, what's happening in your head?
1: In my head I am looking at my face and I am seeing I guess what looks outwardly is a male face and I've got to the stage where I kind of dissociate from that. It's it's really weird. It's like it's not me that I'm seeing reflected back. Um yeah. I don't know, it's weird. Um <laughs>
0: Is it like does it, is it the same feeling every
1: day, or are there like days that it's better or worse or yeah, there are days there are days that it's better there are days that it's worse um, but again you you touched on like fat person, thin person i know I've been a lot more underweight in the past than I am now. I'm still borderline underweight, um but when I look in the mirror, I don't see that. I still see myself as being. If anything on the fat side it's only when I look at a photograph of myself that I can see that I'm actually quite skinny Um, it's really weird
0: so how much of what you experience do you think is you're just misinterpreting what you look like and how do you know which
1: what's what I think partly through lived experience you know we in our training have to be very objective about how the face looks. Um, and I guess maybe I'm being super critical about the way my face looks, but I know there are certainly things that could be improved to lessen my dysphoria by way of surgery or hair removal. Um,
0: So I guess the simple thing that you're doing at the moment is the contouring and the face makeup. And after you do all of that in the morning, do you feel differently when you then look at yourself?
1: I do. I do. Um, I certainly feel better looking at myself in the mirror. It doesn't cause that jarring. Um, Yeah, it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable about myself once I've done that in the morning um it lessens that sensation of dysphoria
0: and if you didn't and do it would would you still be able to do the normal stuff you do every day
1: um I think I would find it very difficult to in what way um
0: <sighs> how would it how would it change things for you
1: Out and having a recognizably masculine face would cause me a lot of anxiety and would interfere with me going out and leading a normal life. Um, I'm not sure that so- I would be comfortable even going out for house at the moment. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, to be honest, that sounds really simple, but it's so profound. It's yeah. just, you know, you have the right to participate in society as everyone else does. Yeah. And this is getting in the way. And yeah. it almost, it doesn't matter if it's how you, whether it's your how you feel or what people are seeing in you or what you're seeing, or what you're seeing people are seeing. It's yeah. still real because it has a real consequence. And the real consequence is getting in the way of um you doing like the important work you do like we're saying we're both doctors going out there helping people
1: yeah absolutely
0: um what I was going to come to uh around all of this is when you then have the surgery what do you think you can you will be able to do that you have you can't do at the moment how will it change your life do you think
1: um specifically facial surgery or genital surgery or just surgery in general
0: i don't know i guess whatever you want to share i was thinking facial surgery but whatever's on yes. your mind when I mean, you think it'll, of
1: that question. It'll, it'll make me a lot more comfortable in my own body you know um, and certainly hair removal as well <laughs> i'll be i would hope that i'll be able to you know experience less dysphoria even without makeup do things Things like get to the gym, um, participate more in exercise without worrying about sweating makeup off because...
0: Of course, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. That's
1: huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, not worry about using communal changing rhythms. Um, again, things like the gym and at work. Um, yeah. I will not have to worry about that.
0: I think it sounds like it's gonna make a huge difference and you've even thought through how it's gonna make a difference to you yeah. and it's just because the last thing we just we wanted to talk about is how it's not how expensive this stuff is so it's not accessible and we already talked about how people who are transgender are marginalized in society they don't get the the jobs that pay well the support of families that can give them money and to look after them around surgical times And these people who really need this stuff don't have access.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's very, very costly in terms of uh, also financially. Um, I mean, in England, well, let's let's start off with, with the point you get referred. The waiting lists are absolutely ridiculous. Um, I am in the privileged position of being able to afford to be treated privately with hormones at the moment, but even I don't think I'd be able to afford surgery privately. Um, I've been on the NHS waiting list for over a year now and I still even haven't had an initial consultation and that's the same UK-wide. Once you get your initial consultation, you've got to go through hoop after hoop, um, psychological assessment after psychological assessment. Then you got to go through the basic endocrinology work, get on the hormones. Eventually, getting on another waiting list for the various, well, for the genital surgery, which is the only thing that the NHS in England will cover. Um, if you want to have hair removal, or if you want to have facial surgery, you have to pay for that in England. It's only in Scotland that the NHS will fund that. Um, I think if you are transitioning the other way, that top surgery will be paid for by the NHS in both countries. But I'm not 100% sure on that, so don't quote me. (laughs) Yes, disclaimer. The other thing thing Scotland will pay for is um, speech therapy.
0: Oh, of course, that's really, yeah, I didn't, because, of course, like you mean the way you pronounce stuff and how yeah, your voice appears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of work still needed to raise awareness about this stuff.
1: There is, there is.
0: How do you feel about our interview today?
1: Yeah, I think it's gone well. Um, I'm happy with it. Are you happy with it?
0: I am very happy with it. Thank you so much for joining yeah, and telling us you. your story. And we'll... It'll be great to check in with you, like in a couple of months' time, and see how things uh, have developed and yeah, have yeah. some reflective
1: thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if I'm if I've been skiing on the NHS yet, um, <laughs> I'll be. I'm going to be starting an MSC full time in September, which will be fun. What is it on? Is it? It's a medical visualization. Interesting. It's, you know, virtual search for planning, feeding oh. imaging, that sort of stuff. So looking forward to that.
0: Very interesting. We'll be glad to hear how you're getting on with that. And I yeah. guess before we go, is there any last words you want to ta- tell the audience listening? Anything that you think we didn't cover that you feel that, you know, they need to know about?
1: Well, if you are listening in the audience um, and you wish to be an effective ally for transgender, relatives, friends, whatever, um, call things out when you see them. Um, If you see or hear something that somebody says that is bigoted, transphobic, tell them it is more effective if it comes from you as an ally. Then, if it comes from the transgender person themselves, it is less likely to receive an aggressive reaction. Um, Make sure you support your transgender friends, let them know that you are there for them, that you are happy to talk to them, just listen to them if they need support, just be around them if they need to be around. Um, Be sensitive with people, you know, respect them make sure you ask questions rather than make assumptions you know ask what their preferred name is what their gender is what their preferred pronouns are don't make assumptions with people
0: (laughs) kind of sounds basic but it's so powerful
1: yeah absolutely
0: thank you so much sir
1: okay no problems today
0: (laughs) good luck with everything
1: thank you take care now